You're listening to the free preview episode of On Grief, a podcast about death by Karen Geyer. To unlock the full episodes, please visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod. Memberships start at just $2 a month. This is On Grief, a podcast about death. Episode 14, Lori Kilmartin. Please welcome Lori Kilmartin, everybody. It's a show called 45 Jokes About My Dead Dad. Knock, knock. (laughs) Not my dad, he's dead. That's the first joke, guys. Uh, 44 more to go. Was telling unconscious dad, I love you. Then hospice said he could be like that for six weeks. Started telling dad, shit or get off the pot. I honestly wasn't trying to live tweet my dad's death. You know, I was writing jokes down and instead of doing them that night at a, you know, an open mic or something, I just uh, tweeted them instead. Then a couple people started retweeting it and then it, there, it started to snowball of like, whoa, this is a live thing, this is happening. When Lori's dad was sick, Lori was on Twitter as if she was writing a memoir about it. It was a way to be very defiant with her own kind of despair and sadness to just fire jokes at it. I hadn't ever felt as driven to talk about a certain thing on stage as I had about my dad. My dad died in March. He had lung cancer for nine months before that, and then he was in hospice for 10 days. You'd find yourself laughing at some of the things that she would say, but then you'd think, oh my God, that is dark. I can't believe I'm laughing, but that is the essence of really good comedy. There's two kinds of hospice. You can send somebody to a a hospice space, which is nice, or you can bring them home where they die surrounded by shit they always meant to give to Goodwill. And you always felt that she was feeling every bit the pain of losing her father. I was just looking in his eyes, and he was just looking back, and it was silence and, and peace. I was thinking, I love you, and I think he was thinking that too. My husband really, really loved Lori's sense of humor. Just every once in a while, you know, they go a little too far. (laughs) So my sister and I, we were hoping my dad would beat cancer, like we had always hoped he would beat my mom. (laughs) My dad's last words to me were, ha ha, she's your problem now. (laughs) That's my Lori. Lori Kilmartin is an established comedian, a writer for Conan, and the author of the New York Times bestselling book, Shitty Mom. One of her most brave pieces of writing, however, is the book that came after Shitty Mom called Dead People Suck. It is a heartfelt, earth-shattering memoir about what it's like to watch somebody die and to lose a parent who is very close to you. Lori has graciously agreed to join me today to talk about her book and also talk about the experience of losing her father. Welcome, Lori. 
Laurie, let's talk about Dead People Suck. Why did you decide to write a book about such sensitive subject matter? During my father's death or while he was dying, I was tweeting about it, sort of tweeting jokes and just tweeting stuff. And um, I'm a stand-up comic, and that sort of turned into a stand-up special. I just did an entire special about his cancer and, and going through that. And then when I finished it, I felt like I still had more to say, and and I had more maybe emotions or, or scenarios that were a little uh, deeper and you know, maybe wouldn't work in a nightclub set. I mean, I, you know, when you're telling jokes, you have waitresses interrupting your set for, to get drink orders. Like you have to have jokes that can survive all that. And, uh, I just wanted to get a little, uh, more nuanced. And, um, I felt like I could do that in a book. And I had written a a book before called shitty mom. And, um, it was real simple. It was just like, you know, 50 short, funny chapters about parenting And I pitched it as kind of the shitty mom of grief. You know, it's the same format where it's a lot of chapters that are no more than 800 words tops. And as many jokes as I I could write and felt worked, I, I put in as well as, you know, moments that weren't, you know, inherently funny. But um, but the kind of my response to them might have been a little weird. Anyway, that was that was why I I wrote it. And uh When you were grieving, did you ever think that you were going to get to the point where you could write these kinds of jokes about your experiences? When my dad was dying, I was actually, this is going to sound ridiculous, but I felt like the more I joked, the more he would stay alive because, I don't know, it was just my weird little way of fighting back, like, you can't take my dad. (laughs) And um, and I, I was quite shocked when he died, even though I, I knew it was coming. I was, you know, um, I think you're always shocked, especially the first parents. It's just unbelievable. Um, uh, and it, 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 it took a long time to be able to talk about stuff on stage without my voice quivering. And, and I, I have like a little thing in the, in dead people suck about it, but the, to just to say the phrase, my dad is dead is, was like, Oh, I, I couldn't get it out. And then, you know, I had, because I was doing it in in front of audiences, I got good at it, you know, and, and now it's just another topic I'm talking about. So I'm not like crippled with grief now, or even when I'm joking about it, but it, it it took a while and it, and, and, you know, I'm sure any person who, any sort of artist, uh, however you work through grief, if you work through it in a way that produces something that really helps you move through it, whether, you know, I, I don't know if you're a painter or a writer or whatever, but it, it helps you get to another place where you can at least discuss it without falling apart, which is nice. Were you able to joke with your family while this was happening? my sister and I have a very similar sense of humor and she's a psychiatrist. So she's ready for all emotions (laughs) and she encourages all of them. We were pretty open about it, you know, and my mom's, my mom's pretty funny and a good laugher. So yeah, I don't think anyone was sort of uh, taken aback by jokes. That's kind of the way our family does stuff. What has the feedback on the book been? Because I really enjoyed it. I got so much out of it, but I produce a podcast about death and dying and this stuff doesn't scare me or bother me. So are people 
reticent to recommend the book or have they said to you, oh, this seems like it's a little too far or what's the feedback been? Well, you know, it's interesting. Like I, sometimes when I look at reviews on Amazon and people will say, I liked it, but I don't think it's right for somebody else. And I, and it's, it's an interesting reaction where, where like, if you like it, that should be good enough, but people are worried about some other person that they don't know or, you know, have what their reaction would be to comedy. That's, that's such an interesting response to me to, to comedy. Cause if you laughed and it was good enough for you, it's probably good enough. Right. And if you look at some of the reviews, it's like, I loved it, but I have a, I have a weird sense of humor. Like people are kind of justifying why they la- laughed and you know, maybe it's because it's death, but you don't have to justify why you laughed. It's funny. And it's about something we all are going to go through. So yeah, it's, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I just don't worry about anyone else. I, I want it to be funny in a way that I think is funny. And, and, um, um, I, 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 I've just always been sort of mystified by the, by the worrying, like if you liked it, but worrying that somebody else might not like it, (laughs) you know what I mean? I could see this being the type of book that people would put on their Kindle. So when they read it on the subway, nobody has to know what they're reading. You know, when you think about a memoir of a dying dad, you don't tend to think of it being a comedic piece. You tend to think of something either really sad and heartrending, or you think of it being something very like saccharine and almost, you know, religious or whatever. Um, Hmm. I, I guess, I guess what bothered me and made me want to write it is how much I, how ill-prepared I was and how, how all these emotions, I mean, I was like 48 when my dad died, 49. And so I'd lived quite a long time and I felt like I'd pretty much had mostly every emotion. (laughs) And, uh, then I was like, Oh wow, these are, these are new and, uh, I hate them. Um, and why hasn't anyone else told me about these and how do other people walk on the earth with their, with dead parents, you know, like how, how I know other people whose dads have died and they went to the store today and they laughed and they had a good time. And how did that happen? And I, and I, I, I was, you know, kind of catapulted into such a place of, um, despair and grief and shock that, and I, I, I was like, this happens to everyone. Are you shitting me? we're all walking around like this and no one, no one told me. And, um, and, and now I'm, I'm going through it. And, um, I, I guess that it was my way of sort of sorting it out and, um, figuring out kind of like, uh, categorizing and classifying all these emotions and, and, uh, you know, writing is a great, great way to, to organize your brain. So, um, that might've been one thing. And, and I'm, you know, I'm again, like I'm a comic, so I like to make a lot of jokes and it's easier to do them in print sometimes than on stage. People can enjoy them privately as opposed to laughing at your father's cancer at a nightclub. Everyone's like, people might look around a little bit, you know? The book takes on some notable taboos. One of the parts that I found particularly charming was your assessment of the hospice situation that you had. Can you tell us about that? This is just my one experience, but I, up till then I had only heard how great hospice workers were and everyone's like, they're angels. 
And uh, I fully expected the angel treatment with my dad and they weren't angels and they, they didn't come sometimes they forgot or, and one, one night, the night before he died, his breathing equipment stopped working and they, they couldn't, you know, they took a long time to get there and then they didn't really fix it. And my sister and I were just basically scooping like phlegm out of my dad's mouth for hours, you know, and, um, I was, uh, pretty pissed. Um, so I, I was expecting, um, a, an experience that I think a a lot of people must have because that's what, why they talk about it, but that wasn't, that wasn't the way. And I don't even remember the company or who the, I couldn't, I couldn't even leave a Yelp review now if I wanted to, I don't know who did it. I I just, you know, we were in such a fog at the time, but, um, I, I just remember just, we were just like, where are these people? We called them hours ago and this machine isn't working. And, um, you know, I, uh, and, and the nurse didn't visit every day like she said she would. Why do you think as a society we've really shielded ourselves from the experience of death, participation in the death of others? Hmm. I mean, who wants to die? <laughs> who wants, I mean, you know, and we're all trying to lengthen our lives and uh, as much as possible and look as young as possible. So, you know, we're, we're a, at least in America, we're a country that doesn't want to die and it's looked at as kind of a failure and, um, you, you know, you didn't fight your cancer hard enough or, well, I don't know. It's, it's really strange the way people talk about a terminal disease, like, like you have a shot. <laughs> I mean, it's a terminal disease, right? So, um, I get, I think that's kind of a human thing though, to not want to face anything painful, you know? You make a great point in the book, which is, it seems like all of the ex-presidents die at a really, really old age. And especially people who maybe we don't want to die at a very old age, like Nixon. That enrages me still that I know if my dad had had presidential health care, they would have caught his cancer instantly, like very early on, they would have nipped it in the bud. Um, yeah, I mean, these, these presidents, they just don't die. I mean, we not, I mean, George Bush finally died. I don't, he was almost a hundred. Jimmy Carter is beating back this brain cancer that kills everyone else who gets it. It's, I mean, good for him. I love him, but it's unbelievable. Can't, I now he's teaching Sunday school. Can't couldn't my dad have had that doctor? Could like is is that secret information? Could all of that information be disseminated to all the cancer doctors, or do just the president's doctors get it? That's what it feels like. So when you're a comedian and you get booked on shows like Conan, sometimes things happen and you get bumped. Your dad's funeral got bumped. Can you talk to me about that? I was appalled. I was so mad at the church. Uh, my dad's like the guy who went to mass every Sunday his entire life. He's always donated money, even when he was really, really didn't have a lot of money. He always put a little bit in the basket, always defended the Catholic church against uh, all the allegations. And when push comes to shove, he has a, his funerals on Sunday. And I mean, I understand why they did it, I guess, but I was, and I have compassion for the, the, another person died the same day my dad did, but a little bit after my dad. So technically my dad had first dibs on the Sunday funeral and this other person was younger and they had a, like uh, a huge, it was going to be a packed funeral because they were a young person. 
And the church was like, we can't do two funerals in a day. And so we're going to do hers and we're going to do your dad's on Monday. And, you know, people had already bought plane tickets and somebody, you know, a friend of my dad's couldn't stay for the funeral because he had to get back to work. And so uh, that was that was just infuriating. And and then they that they spelled things wrong in my dad's funeral mass. hymnal. <laughs> just it was uh, it was bananas, you know. To unlock the rest of this episode and to hear more episodes, visit patreon.com forward slash on grief pod.